It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? The guest today is returning to my podcast because it's long overdue to check on all that she's got going on in Adoptee Land. Besides Colt facilitating the Adoptee Voices Writing Group, which she created in 2021, she has a new book that was released in December 2023. Adoption Unfiltered, Revelations from Adoptees, Birth Parents, Adoptive Parents, and Allies. She co-authored it with two other members of the Constellation. She is none other than Sarah Easterly. And it has been a delight to get to know her while working closely side by side for the past three years, encouraging adoptees to write their relinquishment and adoption journey through prompts and warm-up exercises. Sarah has authored other books and essays, including her multi-award-winning memoir, Searching for Mom. She is a trained facilitator and staff member with the Newfeld Institute. From a page of Part 1, Meet the Adoptee Contributors in Adoption Unfiltered, in part states, Sarah Easterly is a domestic same-race adoptee who came to her adoptive family through a private gray market adoption that took place at the tail end of the Baby Scoop era in 1972. As the adoptee representative of this book and co-creator of the Adoption Unfiltered podcast, I include myself here for an easy reference and out of recognition that my experiences too will be included in the adoptee perspectives that follow. In this episode, Sarah opens up about her continued efforts to be an advocate for other adopted people. She thoughtfully answers my questions about avoiding burnout, how she has embraced the last 10 years of her life, approaching a fourth year with the Adoptee Voices Writing Group, the meaningful experience of co-writing Adoption Unfiltered, and more. Without further ado, allow me to introduce to you for the first time, or once again, someone who is second to none in beautifully wearing many hats to support other adoptees. Her ability to engage with the community on social media and rally around the success of others on and offline leaves me smiling from ear to ear. She is a wife and mother of two lovely daughters, all the while making major contributions to our adoption community. I am fortunate to have crossed paths with her, and as a result, am a better Earth citizen. I believe if you haven't already been touched by how she shows up in the world, it's only a matter of time. Sarah Easterly, I am so excited for you to be a returning guest to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. It's been long overdue, but now we're here to do it. How are you doing? Yay! I'm <laughs> so excited. I've been really excited for this call with you all week. Yeah, I love spending time with you, Jennifer, and I'm really honored to be back on the show. I think of you as a celebrity. Do you see yourself that way right about now? <laughs> no, not at all. 
Well, I do. I absolutely do. I'm seeing, you know, all of the work you and Kelsey Vanderbleek Ranyard and Lori Holden are doing since the publication of Adoption Unfiltered. So first of all, congratulations again. I've told you that over and over, but I just think it's a, a huge accomplishment and a wonderful contribution to our community. Thank you so much. That that means a lot, Jennifer. And yeah, thank you. I'm a little bit <laughs> stunned, but it's just me, your co-facilitator of Adoptive Women. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and I just appreciate your support so much, too. It really, um, I really have felt like you and Alice and Kate have really, you know, just had my back just as friends and colleagues uh, through the whole process of the writing and publishing journey. And yeah, it just means a lot to to have you in my life. Likewise, uh, the journey nearing three years now with Adoptive Voices. So yes, shout out to Alice Stevens and Kate Murphy. Um, It's been wonderful to co-facilitate with all three of you. Um, It's an honor to be a part of that writing group that you created, saw a need, and just jumped right in there. And so we're coming up on cohort 12, which when this airs would be in session. And I'm excited to still be a part of listening to adoptee writers. It's been just powerful all this time. So, and and we're going to say, I want to say a little bit more about adoptee voices in a little bit. Uh, But I want to get back to Adoption Unfiltered. I got my copy and read it. I so enjoyed it. It's so well organized. Tell me what was so meaningful and rewarding about the endeavor to co-write Adoption Unfiltered. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. And so much of the process has been meaningful. I think just getting to work with others across the aisles has been deeply meaningful and that doesn't mean it's always easy (laughs) um, or that it has always been easy but you know just really I really respect Kelsey and Lori a lot Uh, you know we were all advocating and working in adoption in our own ways you know and, and putting our own contributions out there so there's the respect I have for their work as a standalone, but then coming together, just so exciting as our chapters started coming together and feeling this, this excitement over, oh my gosh, like they're really modeling such a good, a good way for other birth parents and other adoptive parents. And so that was really exciting to kind of see that it, I had hoped for that. Um, but I, you know, you don't know until you start seeing the words come out, how that's going to come across. It's just been wonderful, you know, just um, I feel really lucky to have kind of gotten to get that front row seat and then to also have them listen. I think that's the thing that's so great about working with those two is, you know, as in the writing process, being able to say, "Mm, you know, for adoptees, here's where we're coming from. And I don't know about this. Or could you make sure you add this point in um, because this seems to be missing. And they are both two people who don't get defensive. They're like, oh yeah, and they and they would do it. So it was it was just really nice to be in a configuration where <laughs> I felt centered, I felt respected, I felt listened to and heard. And then 
the end product is something that I think we're all really proud of, of the ways that we can can work together, just even as a, you know, we're, we're modeling what that's like. And then we're also modeling for, for others in our own groups of how to do it. I didn't realize that I would learn so much from the other two parts as I did, like Kelsey's part, like the atrocities in unethical and unlicensed adoption agencies. Like I, I had just really sat with that, like how all the different states are so different. And, and I guess I should have known that because with any subject, anything you can think of, the states govern so differently. That was something I, I pulled or drew from her section and Lori's section when she had the uh, couple who decided against adoption. That was pretty powerful uh, to read about. And your section, of course, is an adoptee, right? It warmed my heart to have 23 adoptees interviewed and many of them, if not most of them, I I know or I have um, engaged with at some point or another. And how did you arrive at the 23 that you selected for the book? Our overall premise and for the whole, for everybody, we interviewed 50 people for the book altogether. And as you say, 23 of those were adoptees. So we definitely wanted it heavier for adoptees. And then the next, the next large group after that was 18 birth parents. At first, we didn't have an exact number we were going for. You know, we were just reaching out and who can we get? And I, I was, I was really clear. I wanted a lot of diversity in kinds of adoption in race, of course, in age. I wanted diversity from a religious level, diversity in perspectives on adoption and, and feelings about adoption. And so I was I was kind of just reaching out as as much as I could to pull that, you know, to, to find that and kind of encapsulate, of course, I couldn't get <laughs> I couldn't get everybody. And that was, I guess, for me the real the real problem is I, where do I stop? You know, and I think this is every writer has this, this task or this challenge when they're writing of figuring out when to stop the research and when to start the writing. And for me, I really could have kept interviewing. I still want to keep interviewing. <laughs> you know, I, I, when I meet people, I'm like, oh, that would have been a good person to interview. And I love talking to adoptees, you know, but eventually I did have to write the book otherwise because we had a deadline. <laughs> But that was really my intent was to just show a lot of as much variety as I could, because what I what I have learned largely because of the adoptive voices writing groups and all of that was happening concurrently because it was about three years to write the book. And we're coming up on three years of adoptive voices. But what I have learned is even though our stories are unique, there are commonalities. And so that was my challenge was to kind of take all the different I wanted to show the differences and then still show what's common and still show that larger story of how we respond to the separation that's inherent in adoption. Well, I think you did a fantastic job with diversity. And I would imagine for me, it would be so difficult to to settle on a certain number. And so I, I think you nailed it. And I am just like, I'm really really excited about that part of the book, the introduction of the adoptees and just really allowing space for their lived experience. And it is different for all of us. So yeah, great job. Thank you. (laughs) I really want to know, this is like something that I always think about, um, because sometimes we do catch a lot of flack about different things. And we 
our brains are wired to focus on that and not the compliments. So what has been one of the best compliments you've received from a reader? <laughs> I'm so glad you said, I really think you, you're right. It is such a human tendency to hone in on just so, you know, ah. right. Um, I have to say we've been just, there's been some truly wonderful compliments and reviews. Um, I feel really held by our community and, and, and community being the whole adoption community. Um, I think one thing that's been felt great is a lot of people have noticed and commented in reviews that it's adoptee centered. I feel so seen because it was so important to me and to Kelsey and Lori to make sure that it was adoptee centered all the way through. Before the book came out there, I feel like I was getting, picking up on this, some energy and people jumping to a conclusion that we were on equal, that it's equal level. And, you know, anytime you collaborate with a birth and adoptive parent, that means it's on equal footing. And I had felt misunderstood before there was even a chance to show that. And, you know, I think as adoptees, feeling misunderstood is really hard to just keep hearing that it's adoptee centered and that the people are noticing that feels really good. And I feel like, okay, I did my job. That's what, you know, and we did our job. We, we did that. There's been a lot of comments that, that people are hoping this will be a recommended kind of go-to recommended resource or kind of a staple for anyone connected to adoption. And of course that, that means a lot. That feels really good. And I do hope, I hope that's the case. I hope, you know, that it, that it we added something new to the conversation and um, presented it in ways that, that that everybody um, across the board, anyone in the constellation, can use in that way. So that feels really good. And and also we've had some comments from people who aren't connected to adoption in any way. They're not in the constellation. There was one review. I think the kind of headline to the review was "Rose-colored glasses about adoption removed," and mm. that one ball too because it means we're we're not just in our echo chamber we're making a difference and changing some hearts and minds outside of our space but they've all felt so good really um it, it just feels really good to have the book out there and people responding to it and hearing their thoughts and what it means to them it no longer is like this secret that i'm holding close to me it now belongs to everyone <laughs> and so anytime i hear feedback it feels good it is so obvious, I think, that the book is adoptee-centered. And I think that for adoptees, that, that feels really good. And I hope that for other members of the Constellation, they get it. Like, yeah, let's, let's center the adoptee. I've had an opportunity to listen to the podcast, Adoption Unfiltered. What's that experience been like to be a podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I chuckle because, I don't know, I feel like we still haven't really stepped into that. I don't know if I call myself a podcaster still, Jennifer. And I, <laughs> You are. <laughs> I guess, I know it's the same thing we say to writers. If you're writing, you're a writer. <laughs> right. And I, so I need to apply that to myself. But I'm like, you are such a professional, Jennifer. So I'm a little bit like, oh my gosh, I'm not really a podcaster compared to you. <laughs> It's been a really fun process. I really enjoy it. What it started because we, in our weekly meetings, all this over these years writing the book, we, you know, a lot of it is writing, but a lot of what we were doing is just talking about what's going on in the industry. 
you know, and talking about different things that came up, things in the news or culture or media. And then, you know, I think another reason I really like working with Kelsey and Lori so much is it, it's never, um, it's never turned into kind of personal consulting (laughs) where you, you know, all of a sudden you realize, wait, I'm, I'm giving you all kinds of free consulting, but as our relationship has evolved, things do come up and we can talk with each other about, you know, our own personal situations and our own constellations and get, get each other's perspectives. So all of that was happening. And then, you know, in addition to our writing sessions and writing meetings and stuff, and then I think, we just one day we're like, we should be recording these <laughs> these conversations because we're talking about a lot of meaningful things that we wish other people could could hear. So that's how we got into it. And again, that's partly why I don't feel like it's really a podcast. It was like, let's just start recording our Zooms and let's come up with a topic. And and, and so that's what we do. I, we've evolved to um, having more and more guests. I think at first we we were doing more more conversations with just the three of us, but it's really it's really nice to just get out and interview more people and and bring them into the space and and let others hear how that goes. Sometimes we don't always agree, and so I think we enjoy modeling what that's like, you know, and and how to have hard conversations. We try to have hard conversations. And and show what it's like to just listen and empathize, even when there's disagreement. And hopefully with that, always with that undercurrent of respect and always, always with the aim of elevating the adoptive voice. And also, you know, the birth parent voice that is often, you know, as Kelsey writes in her book, often mysterious and unknown. I really enjoy hearing you say you all are modeling what it looks like to disagree and like not fall out, right? So like I was listening to your most recent episode where you have Haley Racky as a guest, the podcast host of Adoptees On. I felt that that vibe, like, yeah, we can, and you are a great podcaster, by the way. <laughs> yes, you are. And how you stated that, it's good that we can still sit at the table, have conversations, even when we don't always agree. And I particularly enjoyed in that episode hearing Kelsey say that it's a personal decision to relinquish. That resonates with me. I totally agree that for birth parents, it's a personal decision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that can be hard to hear as an adoptee. You know, that can be that can be hard to hear. I'm glad she said that, you know, that I do agree with, you know, and I think that's, yeah. And that was just one of those, those instances where we're saying hard things. <laughs> right, right. Um, thank you for listening to that episode. That just came out yesterday. I appreciate you listening right away. Yeah. I like different perspectives. I like to remain open. I seek to understand, you know, I think that I may not always agree, but understanding is different from agreeing. So, yeah, that's always my goal is to understand, to listen for understanding. So let's get into Adoptive Voices because I am so excited to be a part of it. Uh, It has been such a healing process. I I didn't foresee that three years ago uh, as being such a part of my healing. And I think that when writers show up each week and really pour their hearts out like it's just been 
kind of life changing for me. And I don't know if all my listeners know how Adoptive Voices started. So I wanted you to share a little bit about how it even came to be. And I know Julian Warshio Colette had something to do with that. So share with, with the audience how Adoptive Voices came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love sharing this story. And I loved I loved hearing hearing how much it's meant to you too, Jennifer. Yeah, so I I did have the idea. I've been a part of writing groups. I had been a part of writing groups at the time for maybe 20 years. And then with the, when the pandemic hit, I was in a writing group where we were meeting online. And I had been part of writing groups similar to that where, you know, sometimes, you know, pre-pandemic where I would just get a bunch of writers together and we'd just go sit at tables and write side by side because there's something about that accountability that kind of helped <laughs> helped writing seem less lonely and it's like it made a sacred time where okay this is a writing window you can't go do your laundry right now or clean the house you're here at the coffee shop writing with three other people sitting at a table all firing away on their laptops and this writing group that I was in was doing that kind of thing we would meet for a few hours and then come back on screen and share what we had been writing. And I was a part of this, it was almost immediately after my memoir came out, which was about adoption. So I had gotten into the adoption space and I just kept, I had this idea, this niggling of, wow, this would be a really nice thing to do for adoptees. But I also was kind of silently watching a lot of adoptee spaces and feeling really nervous just because online things can get so tense and heated that I was like, Ooh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I want to do something like that. It just intimidated. It felt daunting, you know, just seeing some of the online heat. And I didn't want, I definitely knew I didn't want that. And Julian had, you know, we didn't know each other. Julian had heard me on Adoptees On, I think. And I think that was how he first found me. And I believe he read my book. And, and then he had contacted me and we had a conversation. And then he did a, had followed up and said, do you know of any writing groups for adoptees. <laughs> and of course, I already had this idea. That I, was <laughs> I love this so, story. I, I love yeah. how he tells it too. <laughs> I love him telling it too. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish he was. But so I just kind of was like, yes, I do. <laughs> give me a, give me a week or two, you know, and then but because I had been thinking of it already, I already knew Jennifer. I'd heard I, you and I had interacted online, so I'd already kind of had you in mind, and I had heard Alice on Adoptees On, so kudos to Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Just felt like everything aligned, and it really was, I think, only a matter of a few weeks before we were we were getting everything off the ground and marketing and starting the, the, the writing groups, and I think I moved in between there, too, so... <laughs> It was really exciting how fast it came together. And I think I will say, even hearing you share your real, your, you know, how profoundly it's affected you on your journey, it has for me too. And I think that that was just an extra outcome that I never could have imagined. I think what one of the things that's so beautiful about the writing groups is people are very, very gentle with each other. I had hoped that it wouldn't be you know, trashing each other and being competitive. But I did not realize just how caring everybody who comes would be. And knock on wood, I get even nervous as I say that, but we just haven't had that. And I think part of the magic there is that 
people are really vulnerable and they're sharing their hearts and and because it's on equal level everybody is sharing so it creates and it, it's not like some writing groups I've been a part of, people just tear each other down. You know, it's like, oh, you know, and it's all critical. And that's not what we, that's not what people do. And that's not, it's just never come up. <laughs> so, right. um, gosh, I just feel like what special people. And that's, you know, we don't go handpick anybody. It's just who signs up. So I do think there's something about everybody sharing mm-hmm. their hearts and feeling seen and being seen and seeing others that does that that just gives that puts us all on a human level and a caring level it brings out the caring yeah absolutely well said i i think the word that does keep coming up from writers that i i've talked to that have been a part of the group is accountability that it it affords them the opportunity to set time aside for themselves to do something that they deem is important. I want to kind of pique the interest of any listener that has thought about it, heard about adoptee voices and wondered, is it a good fit for them or just what to expect? And as I thought about it, I know the behind the scenes, we come up with prompts. We come up with, especially uh, with Honor Your Voice track, with warm-ups and things to kind of get the the writing juices flowing and it's always been a pleasant surprise what writers come up with and and they've told us the feedback we get is that I didn't think I could write about that it seemed kind of hard but then I just took off right like it's kind of magical what happens during that hour uh, plus of writing before we come back as a group so whatever you want to share to pique the interest of someone that is on the fence we'll say wanting to write thinking they're not a writer right we get a lot of people that say I'm not a writer I'm just here you know just to participate and then they are a writer so what would you have to say yes absolutely if you're writing you're a writer (laughs) I I think there's something that's so it just is so, I mean, and, and I think this was maybe another surprise that I had is just the magic of empowering someone to, that, yes, you can own your story and you, anything you have about your story is valid, you know, that you have to say, and it feels good to get it out. I think so many of us, we keep this stuff bottled up inside it needs to come out. We have emotions that need to get out of us and onto the page. And I think that's just something that just is so remarkable to witness. We've had a lot of people who've been writing with us from the very beginning and some people come and go. We always have new people and the people who've been writing with us for a while, we see, we see change. Right. (laughs) such an identity shift of really stepping into their identities as as adoptees as writers you know it's it's really inspiring to witness i feel so fortunate and there's so many times i mean we debrief the the four of us after each meeting we debrief and there's a lot of times we we're just teared up mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so moving and it's hard to even have words sometimes of wow 
just the magic that happens in storytelling. It's such a good vehicle for for healing. Yes, I would agree. What what I've come to understand is that when you do just kind of sit still, first of all, you have a space where you do feel safe because it's all adoptees and and you can just devote this time to looking at your story, your journey, your lived experience, your adventure. Creativity sometimes can come when you least expect it. And and then listening to other people, it, it helps you to even go deeper with your own story. And we've seen that happen over and over again. And like you say, there have been so many repeat writers. So obviously it works. And And so what would you say accounts for the success of adoptee voices? I think adoptees are hungry to share and to be heard. So I think that's part of it. I think, I mean, I just want to give some kudos to you and Kate and Alice. I think we're a really good group. Like, I think we're really good midwives. <laughs> um, I, I do. I mean, I, th- I think we, you know, you and Kate offer so much caring in the way that you co-facilitate the Honor Your Voice track. And Alice and I really are both pretty passionate about adoptee storytelling and about craft. And so we co-facilitate the Honor Your Craft track. And, you know, I do think that that is part of it, that there are four of us. We also are different. We're each unique. And so we each bring our own gifts. And so I do want to give some that, that there's that that's part of it. I think, you know, one of our writers a couple of years ago talked about our ground rules and referred to them as an anthem. And we go, we are pretty careful. We've, you know, and we've, we've evolved over three years to kind of put boundaries or parameters in place through those ground rules. And we go over them every session. So reminders, you know, that are, that are important about sensitivity. And we, we stress every cohort about Giving feedback is important. It's a gift. It's a gift to other people. So we encourage kind of, you know, participation and and showing up because that's how groups are formed. So I think we've we've evolved to see kind of all those things as being really important to to what we do. Yeah, I mean, what do you think, Jennifer? I want to ask you that same question. I think this thank you. <laughs> I think that success has a lot, everything you said, and it has a lot to do with just being in community. I think when I see the faces of other adoptees on the screen and their feedback and their participation overall, it just lights me up. I I just enjoy that space. It's something that I think I can't get enough of. You know, I've been in plenty of Zoom meetings. I've been to plenty of conferences. And it's something about being in the space with other adoptees for the purpose of fellowship, uh, learning one another's stories, and being able to relate things resonating with us. It, it's even more than validation. I think it, it's a sense of belonging that's so powerful. It's so important to me because I no longer am seeking to fit in anywhere. I'm seeking to belong. And whenever I feel that, these are my peeps and this is the space I need to be in as often as possible. Oh, I love that. I love that. 
Yeah, I think the yeah. writers, I mean, I, I've heard it put many different ways, but I think that's what they get. Like, we took a break, right, over yeah. the holiday season. <laughs> I could tell when we had kind of a pop-up meeting with the group, they were so glad that we did it, and they were so glad to see one another. Fast forward to cohort 12 getting underway, like registration being open, how quickly things filled up, you know, spots filled up to be a part of the group because I think it had been a void in, in yeah. their, in their, yeah, their, their life. Yeah. And I feel felt that too. I mean, the, the breaks are important to take, I think for just not getting burnout, you know, making space for other, you know, the holidays and I had to launch adoption unfiltered um but it's hard for me too like i really i really miss when we when we take those breaks i can't wait to get back (laughs) i can't wait and i can't wait to get caught back up with our writers and meet new ones you know it is yeah i agree yeah and and for us i mean we love our planning meetings and the the friendship we've made through through facilitating together is really deeply meaningful um, and speaks to that belonging as well. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because whenever I see returning faces, like returning writers, I just light up. But then when I see new people that I've never met before, I equally light up. Like I'm excited about both. I think it's just a sense of being with a group of people that we share something profoundly important in our lives or have been affected profoundly in our lives. Being together, yeah, just making time to be together is is very meaningful. We're going into our fourth year. In March, it would have been three years, and we'll be going into a fourth year. <laughs> Wow, you're right. We're going into our fourth. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Let's just go into another question that I think is important because you have carried a lot, I think, in 23 and probably 22 as well, preparing, writing and preparing for adoption unfiltered. How do you keep from any kind of burnout, right? Like stay encouraged and, and avoid burnout, because of, you know, the writing group, publishing, right now the book events, social media podcasts, interviews, how do you stay afloat? Well, I mentioned we take breaks and so and we take summers off from adoptive voices, you know, and I try to take summers off from a lot of stuff. I really use summer as my season of play with my kids and my family and getting out in nature as much as I can when it warms up. So I think that's a big part of it. I'm really lucky I do live in nature. I live in a forest. (laughs) And so I do think that helps to ground me. And I don't think I realized that as much until um, I think you and I were both interviewed by Eileen Scahill, She's a fellow adoptee who's doing a study on adoptees in nature. And just even answering her questions and reflecting on it made me realize how much just being so close to nature does help to ground me and keep me from the burnout. I've gotten into horseback activities through my kids, and I've done a little bit of showmanship and uh, dabbling into horseback riding and just being around horses. So I think all of those things are 
important for just being well-rounded. I think there's such a temptation to do adoption all the time. But there's a lot more to me and to each of us than than just adoption. I mean, it's a big part of our lives, but just kind of, you know, keeping diversified <laughs> just in, in my life and my interests. I do have such a passion for adoption, but I also have non-adopted friends and, you know, others. So trying to keep all those things in balance for me. And then the, the breaks are just really important and trying to always kind of check in with myself. I do you know, I think some of the residue of adoption trauma for me is being a workaholic and working a lot. And then it's really when it's a passion as well, that can sweep me up. So having to kind of come back and remember rest is important. <laughs> I can't keep serving others if I don't take care of myself. So I try to be mindful. I'm not always perfect at it for, by any means, but I really do try. I try to, you know, not, not burn the midnight oil every night um, and try to take take a lot of rest when I can. And I tend to go on bursts and then I recover. Um, that's just my style, which doesn't work for everybody. But for me, I've found that does work. I think those, and then just having people, like I would say, you know, I just, I'm really thankful for the supports I have in my life. And I count you and Kate and Alice in that, in that as well, of just people to just talk to and bounce things around. You know, when the book first came out, I loved that conversation the four of us had, just talking about the <laughs> the tour and, and and just some of the early feedback. So just having supports is huge in lots of different places. So all of those things, I guess, help me to just keep seeing just all the benefits and the light that comes through this work. Yeah, I'm over here smiling. I appreciate everything you shared, and I'm glad you mentioned Lena Scahill's Nurturing Through Nature study because, yes, I'm a part of it, happy to be a part of it. And the questions were very, very thoughtful and allowed me to revisit, you know, my younger self. And, and even now, I totally agree. Nature centers me for sure. And I'm thinking of the walks I take in the woods in the morning. I try to do it every day. And when I started three years ago, because we were kind of isolated with, with the pandemic, it's been like one of the best decisions I've, I've made to incorporate on a daily basis into my life. And I've seen pictures of where you live. It's beautiful. And it is just full of nature. And then the animals, like you take such good care of so many animals and animals. I have a dog. I've always had dogs. I'm a dog person. I know my dogs through the years have played a major part in centering me. So I would agree with everything you said. When people are wondering in and out of the adoption community what it is that can keep you going and not feel a sense of burnout is if you can incorporate nature. I would say regularly it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. I thought of one more thing too. And along that line, because when you mentioned the animals I take care of, I have five bunnies and two <laughs> guinea pigs and two dogs. <laughs> um, that's it? <laughs> yeah, that's it right now. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, we're always trying to like lobby for a horse, but that will probably never happen. We just go to the barn and ride them. But, um, <laughs> but I do think the pets, I'm glad you mentioned pets. And also it reminds me, my daughters and I like hold guinea pigs in our lap and we watch a lot of 
shows that have a lot of emotion, like we've gone through parenthood twice and now we're on other things. I think just feeling and tearing up, even if it's tearing up, like that's hugely recharging. And I do think back to tie it back to adoptive voices, there's something, like I said, we end so many nights just teared up. I think feeling our emotions is so crucial. For me, that's the difference of where I am now versus my workaholic stage in my 20s and 30s when I never felt I, my feelings were blocked. <laughs> and now it's, I, I can feel, I can feel again. And I do think that feeling is huge for just not burning out. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. There are a couple of things I want to ask you. And one of them is, is there anything Sarah in 2024 would say to Sarah in 2014? I love that question. (laughs) I just heard it recently. I really like it. I probably would tell her, you know, 2014 for me will forever be marked in time because it's the year that my mom died, my adoptive mom. And we knew she was dying at the start of 2014. Uh, She died in June. I was writing my memoir, Searching for Mom, but I hadn't, the story is really wrapped up in my mom's death. So I hadn't lived it enough to write it, but I was writing what I thought it was at the time. I thought it was a story about searching for my birth mom. And and it's that, but it's more. (laughs) But I was very... Very. I was only two years into reunion with my maternal side of the family. And I was there. It was very hard. It was a hard time because I felt like pursuing reunion and even telling my story I and, and even thinking about my perspective, it felt like it had to be kept in. And it felt like I would kill my adoptive mother. She was dying. I mean, it felt... There was a lot of responsibility emotionally that I felt through all of that. When she was dying, and this is in the memoir, she was talking to me, just keep writing. You have so much in your heart that needs to come out. And she didn't say that verbally. We were communicating through our hearts at that point. But I really took those words to heart in writing my memoir and completing it and having the courage to tell my story, my full story. I'm so glad I did. So I would just tell her, you know, I, I did do that, but I, I would have given her a little bit more confidence of you don't even know <laughs> how good it's going to feel to be on the other side and to just, you know, persevere, keep going and and things you could never imagine, like adoptive voices and like finding, you know, a birth parent and an adoptive parent and all these adoptees perspectives to include in in your next book, you know, just to keep going and to keep looking at the possibilities. You know, when I did, you know, just a little further, if I could jump ahead to 2017, 2018, when I was finished with the memoir and 2018 shopping it, it was really discouraging. I sunk to maybe my lowest points of my life because I had done this thing that felt so good to me and it was really hard to get rejections on my memoir. You know, it was very personal and then it felt so personal, those rejections. I would tell her to just keep going (laughs) and not, and not let them get you down. Everything happens. It does seem to happen the way it's supposed to. And I'm really happy with the way that it's gone, but I wouldn't have, I didn't have that 
that information at the time. And I wish I hadn't gotten sunk to such lows <laughs> for my own. It was just kind of a beatings that I didn't need to give to myself. Thank you, Sarah, for such a beautiful answer and your vulnerability there. Yeah, that, that question, that's a powerful question. And it requires reflection. And I'm happy you did that with us today. I really appreciate the question. Thank you for asking me. I'll probably, you know, I'll probably be thinking about it all the rest of the day and for several more days. And I'll probably come up with <laughs> more things that I would say. But I really, yeah, I really, so I appreciate that. I'll, I'll enjoy reflecting on that. Yes. Well, I want to just come back to Adoption Unfiltered, Revelations from Adoptees, Birth Parents, Adoptive Parents, and Allies. And I have to say, it's so well done. Everybody just wrote their butts off. I used to think that I should have used a bigger word or make it sound more intelligent, but I have come to understand keeping it simple is just easier on everybody. And I really started to lean into that through Dr. Joyce Pavo because I think she keeps things just plain and it just makes for a better conversation. I have to tell you my favorite chapter, which is written by you. Yes, 21. <laughs> oh. Supporting adoptee maturation, advice for parents and other caregivers. And I love the six ways to meet adoptees' needs and support our maturation. So I know you're going to read something. I'm not certain from where, but it's such a privilege to have you do that. And whenever you're ready, uh, we're listening. Okay. Well, I, thank you for mentioning that chapter. That is one of my favorites, too. Um, I, chapter 21 and chapter 22 are my favorites. And I was going to read from chapter 22. But I also, yeah, now you're making me wonder, should I change it? I think I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, though. It really is. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll read I'll read from chapter 22 from Journey Home. That's what I was thinking about. And it's words of encouragement for adult adoptees. I love the concept of the hero's journey, a narrative pattern articulated by Joseph Campbell, in which a hero is called to venture out of the ordinary world into a journey through the unknown. Along the way, there are mentors, challenges, and temptations. There's revelation, death, and rebirth, which lead to the hero's transformation and return home, literal or within oneself. Many well-known films and stories follow this structure, including one of my all-time favorites, The Wizard of Oz, which, interestingly, many adoptees say resonates for them, too. Perhaps this is because every adoptee is on a hero's journey. Through the act of adoption, we've already been placed into the great unknown. It is up to us to decide if and when and how we venture further into the wilderness. Like Dorothy, our hearts long for transformation, to return home anew, in whatever ways that looks like for each of us. It might involve seeking clues about our roots to learn more about where we come from, to inform who we are, and to understand how our birth parents and cultures influence us. It may be coming to a place of rest in our adoptive families, discovering that there we have found a sense of true belonging that comes not through the act of adoption, but through years of lived experiences together and the trials and triumphs of family life. 
It may be discovering confidence and a true sense of identity after years of its elusiveness. It could be each of these things or all of these things and any number of other possibilities. Each journey is unique and deeply personal. And we often don't realize we're on a journey until looking back and seeing how far we've come. Sometimes it's only clear after we've arrived at a destination or as we pass mile markers along the way. No matter where you are in your journey, you will need mentors. That's what this chapter is about, offering support and guidance from fellow adoptees who've been journeying in the wilds of adoption too. While it may seem lonely at times, rest assured you aren't alone. Many others have trailblazed these paths and countless others will too. Our routes and any obstructions along the way may be individual, but as our paths meander and wind, we'll crisscross and intersect. Let's help each other out, waving hello from atop the hills, reaching a hand down into the steep valleys, and refilling each other's water bottles when we're thirsty. The journey can be formidable at times, but the sweeping views from the mountaintops are breathtaking and best enjoyed in each other's good company. Oh, that was beautiful. I think I have a new favorite chapter. (laughs) That was great. Sarah, thank you so much for reading. Thank you for the invitation to read. I really appreciate that. And it just, um, I do want to say the audiobook, I got to record the audiobook and it will be out on February 20th. So hopefully really soon that'll be available. And we had to audition for the audiobook. <laughs> we wanted all three of us to read our own sections and that did not work out. So I'm reading the whole book. Oh, that's kind of- great. Congratulations. This is going to air on that day. What? Oh my yeah, God. February 20th. How about it? How about things lining oh. up? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so cool. <laughs> it is. And let's just say this. You are going to be in Chicago as a part of your book tour on the 28th of February, the Chicagoland area. I believe it's Winnetka, yeah. Illinois. And I, I looked it up from where I'll be staying in Chicago. It's about 45 minutes. And I tell you, I couldn't be more excited to meet you in person. And you would think that I've been to your home for coffee and you've been to mine because we've developed such a close relationship, friendship over these three years. And I just can't wait to see you in person. It's just going to be epic. <laughs> I'm clapping. I'm like so excited, Jennifer. I cannot wait. I can't, I, I agree. I can't believe we haven't met in person. Yet. That's just so, it's so wrong. <laughs> I know. And I can't wait to like just wrap you up and we're going to hug. And <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Every time I think about it. Yeah, just been planning this early. I'm a planner, so I'm just planning what I'm going to wear to that event and all of that. So I, um, (laughs) yeah, I appreciate you so much. And yes, let me shout out your book again, because the last time you were on was April 21st, 2021. So that has been a while ago that we were talking about your book, Searching for Mom. And if anybody hasn't read it, please go get a copy and read it. It's beautifully written. Sarah, as I said before, when we recorded, she is just so vulnerable and transparent. And it just inspires me when people do that, because I think that's where we really grow when we're able to do that. In closing, Sarah, is there anything that you would add to what we said in our conversation three years, almost three years ago, or even today. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you wish to share? 
I just, the main thing I would say is it's just been such a delight to watch your podcast grow. I think I was, was I like your fifth or sixth or seventh guest? On- you were, yeah, early on you said yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was really early, and now you're up to over 160 shows. I think <laughs> I just—it's been really fun to be on the sidelines watching you do this all the time that Adoptive Voices has been doing, and and you do such a great job with this podcast. I love that you've interviewed so many people I know, and you you ask such thoughtful questions and. You know, I love the opportunity for the writers you interview to share their words. So I guess that that's what I just want to end on. I feel really honored that you had me on again and and, uh, loved chatting with you as always. I'll just add this, that I think you and I both agree that it's not about perfection. It's really about growth. and, And that's why we keep showing up and we keep doing what we do. We have a passion for the community and whatever gifts and talents we possess, uh, we want to share them, and, and we just want growth. And that's what's happening. So thank you again for taking the time, and I look forward to meeting you in person real soon. Yeah, me too. Take care. Thank you. Wow, we covered so much because Sarah is always eager to be in conversation about what experiences have been the most rewarding for her and others. As you can imagine, we often chat and meet online in preparation for the Adoptive Voices Writing Group. It never fails to amaze me what we are able to co-create together with Kate Murphy and Alice Stevens. Clearly, Sarah has a knack for bringing people of different backgrounds and perspectives into the same space for the purpose of reaching a goal for the greater good. We hope you'll join us in that space sometime in the near future. I appreciated hearing Sarah share the highs and lows over the past 10 years with the writing of her memoir, Searching for Mom. It's one of the hardest things to accept when a parent is preparing to make their transition Yet Sarah's on the other side of many heartaches and continuing on with her life's journey of healing and helping others to do the same. She and I want every listener out there to know that if you write, then you're a writer. If you podcast, then you're a podcaster. And so on and so on. I think you get my drift. Whatever undertaking you are currently pursuing or thinking about giving, your attention to. I trust you'll pat yourself on the back every step of the way for giving it your best and owning whatever contributions you are making in the world. Remember, it's all about the journey and not the destination. Thank you once again, Sarah, for having a wonderful conversation with me for the purpose of an untold number of listeners to get to know a little bit more about your lived experience. I've been fortunate to discover a kind, compassionate, empathetic, and supportive human being in you. Your talents are undeniable, and being willing to share them with our community is truly a blessing. As the year 2024 progresses, it promises to have beautiful moments in person with like-minded people, new meaningful relationships with adoptee writers online, and the opportunity for mainstream to know more about the lived experience of adopted people through your words. 
I want to thank every guest for saying yes to a conversation with me. Every participant, especially in the early days, and the audience for listening to some of the most extraordinary people I've had the pleasure of meeting. This endeavor has positively exceeded my every expectation, and it wouldn't have been possible without your gifts and time. If you're an adoptee and would like to share your adoption journey, visit JenniferDianeGhostin.com. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow and or give, hopefully, a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I trust you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is still the very best way for the show to grow. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a monthly donation of at least $5 or a one-time amount that works for you at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Thank you for being here.